good evening everyone and welcome to the final edition, the round 23 edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Um, a pretty uh, oh, pretty easy finish for the season for the Adelaide Crows. Unfortunately, we're missing out on the finals obviously this year. Joining me tonight as usual is Nikki. How are you going, Nick? How are you going, Nick? Sorry, I had you on mute as usual. <laughs> well... I was going very well. Now I'm like, hmm. Why are you like, hmm? Because you put me on mute. Oh, well, you know. Take (laughs) it. It's more about Macca's inability to bloody keep quiet during the intro than anything else. (laughs) I was going very well. Now I'm like, hmm. He's up getting blamed. Why are you like, hmm? Oops, what's going on here? Something's going on here. put me on mute. Sorry about that. We got a bit of feedback then. Uh, and Macca, how are you going, Macca? Well, I said you like a church mouse, mate. <laughs> like a church mouse. Yep. Oh, uh, good on you. Well, that would be unlike you, really, wouldn't it? Uh, it would be a little. Yeah, but anyway. Look, uh, we won't uh, drag our heels tonight because obviously the Crows had a pretty easy win and... Uh, there's not a huge amount to talk about, but there's some interesting results uh, in the other games. So uh, let's get cracking with the scores roundup, shall we? Interesting, interesting. How much of the uh, round did you guys see? A lot. Quite a bit? Uh, very little for me because I went to watch some motor racing instead and had a family thing on today. Ah, very good. That's right. You went to the bend, didn't you? Did indeed on Saturday. Yep. Yep. So hopefully they ironed out the kinks there. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's lots of bends up there. Lots of bends. <laughs> All right, well, let's get right into the uh, weekend's results. And we had uh, Port uh, snuffing out any possible hope of them making the eight on Friday night with a pretty insipid performance against uh, Essendon. Essendon winning 1-1-1 to 89 in the end. And I thought, um, if I was, if you're a Port supporter, you would have been pretty damn disappointed with that display, I would have thought. I would think so. It was a delightful start to the weekend, I thought. Port going, going under and... Uh they played the same way they've played nearly all year, which is try very hard, but their lack of skills for an AFL team is is terrible. It really is. And uh, as for their game plan, I don't think it's... Well, I'm, I'm still... I keep saying every week, I can't quite work out what they're really trying to do. And I think that uh, Kenny is one of the most overrated coaches around. And uh, he, now I think it's been shown up. He lost good assistance and... He's done nothing of note since. But anyhow, uh, quite right. Very poor performance by Port. Um, I missed the first half because I was actually watching uh, Crazy Rich Asians, came out of the movies, checked the scores and just had to burst out laughing because that was just hilarious to see Essendon up and then got home to watch pretty much most of the second half. And you're right, Macca. Those skills were just deplorable. So many players just running over the ball, not being able to pick it up. It was just... And and then to have the commentators go, oh, Essendon are the best side just outside of the eight. And I'm thinking if they're the best side that's just outside of the eight, heaven help the eight. Well, I don't know. I, I rate Essendon a bit. I reckon they've I got do, some good but, speed. But was, they do, but their skills were 
not good in that second half. Uh, I, I like I love I like watching Essendon play. I think they they're, they're very attractive to watch. They play a good brand of footy. Um, yeah, but they very run and gun. Absolutely run and gun, and they've got to really just uh, and and I think that's uh, what their coach wants them to do, and yep. he'll gradually put a little bit of stiffness and starch into them as as it goes along. Yeah, I agree with that, Macker. I think he's got them playing freewheeling footy, and they don't have a huge defensive action, but they do play a little bit Richmond-like. It's a bit chaotic and. Uh, you know, all over Red Rover kind of thing. But uh, you chuck Joe Danaher back into that team um, yeah. and uh, they're going to be kicking a lot of scores it's, that are going to win a lot of games, I think. I'm the opposite of... What was that, I Nick, think, sorry? Um, he seems to have done the opposite in terms of teaching a young team as to what we saw with Ruse, um, etc., in trying to fix the defence first and getting mm. the defence right, getting the defence right. He's just gone, go out and play. Um, and we'll slowly add some defence in there because I think it's taken too long for some of those other teams who are trying to do the defensive side, which like team we played on Sunday night, to actually then be able to do that switch on and turn an attack. Possibly. It's probably an indication of where those two lists were at. I think Worsfold probably had a bit more to work with. Um, yeah, agreed. Than, than Rusey did. Um, but you're right, it is a different approach. And at this stage, um, I mean, it has taken Melbourne, what, 12 seasons to get back into the finals. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, the, it's hard to probably, compare. Probably five years to get to where they are now. Yep, yep, starting, with the current starting, squad. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, on Saturday, we had Gold, uh, Geelong absolutely belting Gold Coast, as was to be expected, so Port wouldn't have uh, had any joy there anyway, but uh, Geelong getting up 142 to Gold Coast 40 in the end. I didn't see the game, and I don't think I missed anything. Did you guys? Uh, well, I, I saw a fair bit of it. Uh, Dangerfield, one of the greatest individual performances I've seen for a long time. It was, I mean, they, they tagged him with one, they tagged him with two, and he just kept getting the ball, and... Uh, it was interesting after the game to hear their coach say that he's been playing most of the year under duress with injury. Yeah. But he was injury-free. He's injury-free now. And I would think he'll have a very, very good final series because he was in outstanding form. Yeah. Do you see it at all, Nick? I don't suppose you did. No. Nope. Um, I was I was watching scores, but that doesn't yeah. really help. I mean, Geelong are obviously in eighth spot, so they've got it all to do, but they have got a percentage of 131, and uh, I, I like looking at percentages as an indication, and uh, they're not they're not the worst team in the eight by any stretch, and uh, they'll play Melbourne in the first week, and Melbourne won't uh, have it all their own way in that game, that's for sure. So uh, interesting first week of finals, and we'll talk about that a little bit more down the track, obviously. Um Richmond just eking out a victory over the Bulldogs. Uh, Richmond didn't have a huge amount to play for. Um, the Bullies obviously wanting to finish the season on a high. Um, but an entertaining game nonetheless. Richmond 98-95 to in the end. Only saw the tail end of that game, so uh, really can't comment very much on it other than to say that uh, the Bulldogs did have a chance uh, to win the game at the end, uh, but they just didn't take it, so... Well, didn't they have, like, they had three posters or something? They did. So they, they were getting all the run on. Um, the, a lot of people who were talking about it said that uh, Bulldogs very much had a very set game plan against Richmond and it was working against them. They were doing a lot of short passing, chipping it around, etc. Um, I heard, and yeah. 
and Re- Richmond were struggling to get the ball back off of them. Yeah, I heard some comment, uh, uh, some commentators making that particular point you made, Nikki. That the point was, you know, hang on to the ball and frustrate the living life out of Richmond, and then take your opportunity when you get it. So, and obviously they did do that, um, but uh, inaccuracy and the post that, well, they just felt they felt a little bit short. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything really to be read into that from the Richmond perspective. I think it's just get through the game, try to get through injury-free and, uh, you know, onwards and upwards for them, obviously. Uh, Frio also gave Collingwood a bit of a push over there in the West, uh, eventually going down 67-76. to 76. Um, Pretty low-scoring sort of a game, and Frio obviously made a good fist of it. Um, and Collingwood had a, had a bit more to play for, obviously, wanting to retain a top-four position. Um, but again, I, I don't know whether there's a huge amount to read into these round 23 results. Um, well, I know that there seems to be two Fremantles. When they play away from uh, home, they, they look like real pussycats and they do they do uh, play a reasonable brand of footy when they're at home. Um, and I wouldn't say it was Collingwood's best day either. So uh, I, I didn't see much of the game. I only just saw the tail end of it, but... Uh, Rather glad I missed it, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was once again a case of players who were playing for their careers and also after that dismal performance at Frio game um, last week, they were always going to come up with something. Yeah. Yeah. Probably... Uh... Maybe the most entertaining game of the round was the Saturday night game that wasn't ours. Um, Hawthorne, in the end, uh, just sneaking through and sneaking into the top four and lining up a first week of the finals against Richmond, which I think is going to be a real problem for Richmond. Uh, Hawthorne getting up over Sydney, 83-74 to at the SCG. And uh, they've been very, very quietly going about their business, Hawthorne. Yeah, one, the one game I would have liked to have seen, and, and uh, obviously I watched our game, um, but uh, uh, the interesting thing is another loss to Sydney on their oval, and we've spoken yeah. about reasons why we think that before, and uh, I think Sydney's uh, their final chance is a much better if they travel. It seems to be the case, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's bizarre this year, it really is. It's... Uh, mm. And, Nikki, you pointed out that uh, maybe it's a tweaking of the game plan uh, that has caused this, and I, I think that's a pretty good observation, actually. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they go. Um, you know, having the week off and just freshening up, I think they're carrying a couple of sore bodies, but uh, they'll be good to go first round of the uh, of the final series, I would have thought. I do wonder whether um, we know that um, Buddy's been carrying an injury, so resting him. Yeah. Because they'd they, they sealed up a top four spot. And then also that Parker being a late out as well, I was just like, nah. He's obviously got a little bit of a niggle. If this was, if they needed him to play, I bet you he would have played. Yeah, because he played well but the week was, before. Yeah, it was, nah, we need him for finals. Um, they're, they're going to be some interesting matchups. I, I think those two teams can cause a bit of problems. I think Hawthorne will cause more problems than possibly Sydney will. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, let's just get through these results, and then we might just have a bit of a chat about the, the match-up for the finals uh, before we get into our game. 
um, West Coast overcoming Brisbane in what was probably a danger game for West Coast uh, in terms of their finals aspirations because Brisbane uh, have been doing well up in the Gabba and they're a team on the rise and they certainly gave West Coast a bit of a run. Um, but uh, the Eagles doing what they had to do in the end and getting up 98-72. to Well, they blanketed Zorko and they made... Um, and he, again, he, got, he was blanketed last week and uh, he got really shitty and uh, um, a bit annoyed, sorry. And uh, uh, no, <laughs> Come on, apparently mate. some kids. Um, and uh, he got, again, he he did throw a couple, I thought, behind play because he was getting tagged and he got tagged in almost into the point of only just being a very average player. Um, but the Brisbane Lions team, they do try very hard and I've got to hand it to their coach who is really uh, starting to do something with his young squad and, uh, and I think they've got a future. West Coast, you know, they uh, threatened several times and uh, they just kept fighting back. But it was a good game to watch, I thought. I actually tipped Brisbane um, for this one because I thought they might be able to, to get up and, and, and cause a, a bit of a worry for West Coast. Yeah, it wouldn't have surprised me at all, Nick. To be honest with you, um, there, you know, I think we've we've all rated them pretty highly uh, this season, uh, and I think we've all got hopes for them next season in terms of uh, moving up the ladder and and getting a few more wins. And I think they'll definitely trouble teams uh, next season. Uh, so credit to uh, Fagan, and also I think Luke Hodges had a fair amount to do with turning them into a bit of a. Uh, Hawthorne unsociable mark too um, but I, th- I think it's good I, they've been up against it Brisbane for a while and, and they had Gold Coast dropped on them and you know players leaving and whatnot. and it's good to see them riding the ship because um, we you know with Gold Coast struggling so much we do need a, you know a reasonably successful team in that state for it to remain viable really anyway moving on uh also today, we had Melbourne with a very convincing win over a, a, probably a somewhat depleted GWS, uh, 102-57 at the MCG. Um, I reckon of all the teams coming into finals, that uh, Melbourne would have benefited most from their result on the weekend because uh, GWS were a formidable opponent on paper um, and it would have given Melbourne a lot of confidence uh, and also put them up into fifth place instead of sixth, so it gives them a home final in week one. Yeah, well, I must admit, Melbourne, were, they were quite awesome, actually. Um, they're going to be a very hard to, team to beat if they can reproduce this type of form every week. Um, it, got to say that Goodwin must be a good coach. And admittedly, he's got a reasonably good team, but uh, they, they're playing a very, very complete brand of footy at the moment, and they um, and with some very good players in, in Ruck and in the midfield, uh, and they've, but they've got forwards. Their defence is possibly the one area where you might get them. Um, but uh, GWS, who normally have very powerful midfield, and I thought that Melbourne actually, apart from Coniglio, who, bless his soul, from my dream team point of view, uh, <laughs> played a mighty, he played a mighty game, uh, but he was very much alone, I thought. And uh, Melbourne overall... Um, uh, won the day there, and I thought Petrarca up forward uh, was very, very dangerous as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping they don't go too far for our sake because we get their first-round draft pick, but I'm a little bit worried about how they might go pretty well. 
I think it's a case of the injuries are really hitting GWS and possibly those that really big open ground, the width of the MCG, they just couldn't handle it because um, I'm pretty sure they've got a number of players who are still in the team that are carrying some injuries and yep. that's not what you want leading into the finals. Yeah, agreed, Nick. Um, I've been a bit of a G for GWS all season, but um, their performance today didn't give me any confidence, confidence whatsoever. And uh, Melbourne surprised me. Uh, I, I thought they looked really solid. They looked well organised. They're playing with a lot of confidence, and their midfield is fantastic at the moment. Um, so them getting that home final first week uh, is a real bonus for Melbourne. I wouldn't have liked their chances so much if they'd have had to go to Sydney. Um, but the fact that they're playing their first home final, uh, first final at home, uh, means that they just might sneak into the prelims, and uh, you know, once we get there, anything can happen. That's a very good point. Final round, uh, final game of the round was North Melbourne. Uh, a bit inconsequential for everyone except us, because it means that we maintained our twelfth position in our draft pick. Uh, North making hard work of their match over St Kilda, but getting up one one seven to ninety four in the end at Eddie had. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I did watch this after the Melbourne GWS game, and. I did say to Mrs. Mack, this is actually hurting my eyes watching this game. <laughs> I said, I said they, they try to do what AFL players do, but they're not doing it very well. Oh, no. And uh, it, it was a terrible game, and riddled with errors, shocking errors. And, uh, and, you, and I was, again, said to Mrs. Mack, you can understand why they are where they are. In fact, it's really surprised that North Milner as high as they are. Yeah. No, shocking game to watch. And we were driving back from a family dude, so we were listening because all the radio, the, the three stations all had the, the Melbourne GWS game, quite rightly. And you'd think, oh, okay, that game's finished. We'll get the last half of the, the North Saints game. Nope. They just kind of kept waffling about other stuff or they went to music. <laughs> they just, nobody wanted to nobody pick cared. up this game. It's like, <laughs> it's like as if they knew. Yeah, well, Nicky, um, if you got a decent song, you were in the front. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just so because you watched it, Backer. Were they trying really hard to stop Ben Brown getting the ball? No. Really, oh, no. Just North with that shit and didn't want to get him to win a Coleman. They that's just the way they delivered into the forward lines. You know, you'd be lucky if you got it. North North are capable of playing some really really good football at times, and some really really bad football at times. There's a large gap between their best and their worst and you know the project for brad scott i think is to is to uh diminish that gap because you're right maca when they play bad they they look second rate you know second rate and how they finish up ninth is a bit beyond me yeah look you know higgins who came from the bulldogs he actually looked so classy compared to the other players when he had when he had the ball he just stood out like a beacon Everybody else looked like they were trying to copy him, but couldn't do it. Yeah. DSG says in the speaker chat in the same game, and he's damn right. You know they can turn it on for a quarter or for even half a quarter, and then they can turn to crap again. It's terrible. I, I would, I would yeah. hate to follow North Melbourne. Anyway, that leaves us Absolutely. with that leaves us with a what, table. All fans. Yeah, uh, we have Richmond finishing uh, clear on top of the ladder with eighteen wins, and then we have West Coast uh, a game clear in second on sixteen wins. Uh, Collingwood overcoming Hawthorne by just 0.32 of a percent to get third. Uh, 
um, with Hawthorne getting fourth. So uh, the qualifying finals are going to be Richmond v Hawthorne uh, in Melbourne and West Coast v Collingwood over in uh, Perth. And I reckon... West Coast probably would have preferred to have met Hawthorne, I reckon, and I reckon Richmond would have preferred to have met Collingwood. So, two very interesting matchups out of those uh, out of that top four. Well, who do you fancy in those games? Uh, well, look, to be honest with you, I've got Hawthorne beating Richmond. Um, Same. I reckon, uh, you know, just as much as Clarkson. Gave Dimmer a bit of assistance last season. Uh, <laughs> I think he knows how to take him down as well. And uh, of all the teams, I reckon if you if you polled the if you did a secret ballot uh, of Richmond players and asked them which team would you not like to face in the finals, I reckon the majority would have picked Hawthorne because they're they're an enigma, and it's a lot to do with Clarkson. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And um, whether they'll beat Richmond or not, uh, I'm not sure. I, I find it. But it does make that game a lot more open than it would have been if some of the other sides have been uh, playing against them. Yeah. Well, I think Richmond have got I the think... wood on Collingwood a bit. Sorry, Nick, go on. Yeah, they do when Collingwood, I think, are hamstrung a bit with injuries um, because the, the couple of times when they have played them this year, Collingwood have pushed them, but they've been hampered by their injuries. Um and I think if they had those players available, like they lost some during games, um, I think they're. I, yeah, I I wouldn't write Collingwood off against Richmond though. I, I think they've shown some really nice steps forward this year, and I I think they've got a mix of players that cause trouble, and they do match up well in terms of not being too tall, even though you've got Mason Cox, etc. Yeah. Uh, probably the query on Collingwood is how healthy their midfield are. Um, yeah. You know, if, they, if their midfield are up and firing, uh, then they're a danger to any team. Um, but uh, I think a couple of niggles in that in that group. Um, and the other one, West Coast Collingwood, I, I'm pretty comfortable that West Coast will beat Collingwood over in the West. Um, I, I think had it been Hawthorne, the same kind of thing would have applied to the as the, uh, Hawthorne are just one of those teams that their successful years aren't that far uh, behind them, which means that they still carry a little bit of a, uh, a you know, that, that giant killer's tag, I reckon, into this final series. Well, uh, you're quite right. And uh, also about the uh, West Coast, Collingwood one, um, I, I, I fancy West Coast uh, over there. Um, Collingwood are talking about playing Trelaw, uh, that he'll... That, He's going to be available. Um, yep. So whether that's a good thing or not, after the amount of time that he's been out, uh, only time will tell. But um, if he plays at his best, it's an advantage. And uh, if he plays like, uh, uh, you know, if he just isn't at his, at his best because of the amount of time he's been out, well, it could be a liability. Who knows? Um, I'm just checking the Collingwood injury list. They're hoping they can get Trelaw up and going. Um, if he comes in, that will definitely help. But I do wonder as well, though, the fact that they've just been over, they've played their game at that stadium this week. In two weeks' time, they've got to go back there and play again. So it's going to feel fairly familiar. Yeah. Um, and that's actually a, a nice little advantage to them 
Um, different team, yes, and West Coast are very much a different um, prospect than what Fremantle are. But I think that will help them a little bit. Um, so some people I saw in the chat, they thought that West Coast were going to flog Collingwood. I don't think it'll be quite like that. Um, but I I do think I agree with you. I think West Coast just have the edge purely on it being there. Yeah, Collingwood mm. travel really well. Um, but that's uh, notwithstanding the the buy now between uh, the uh, the last round and the finals. That's that's two long trips in three weeks for Collingwood. Um, yeah, so, I think I think their following week will be a problem for them. Yeah, it's going to be a real problem. I think uh, they w- they would have loved to have. Uh, I reckon they they wouldn't have minded if Hawthorne uh, jumped them. Uh, but into third, but anyway, uh, look in the in the second half of the eight, we've got Melbourne v Geelong uh, at the G, I would imagine, and uh, Sydney and GWS doing a a, a post season Sydney derby. So uh, two good games there, and uh, the Sydney GWS is really interesting because I don't think both either team are travelling at their best. Um, but it, and the first point of interest is going to be where it's going to be played are they going to play at ANZ Stadium or or um, the showgrounds uh, like the SCG well Sydney are higher ranked side so it should be at the SCG yeah but they've tended to play Sydney finals at ANZ Stadium in, in the in the previous no I think years. that's been nixed oh that's gone now that's it? now but yeah that's gone now um, because uh, the SCG now has the bigger capacity yeah and the AFL were not happy with and a lot of the players and clubs were not happy yeah. with the standard of um, ANZ Dog, Stadium. Dogs breakfast, yeah. yeah I think both good games, though. Yeah, and well, and given Sydney's track record at home, you, you, I mean, that in itself gives uh, GWS a show. I reckon. Uh, I think it's going to come down to the health of that of that squad, um, whether they benefit uh, from the buy and get a few blokes back up and running. Um, Phil Davis, uh, in particular, needs to get up and running, and they've got to, you know. Some really key injuries, and it's a shame because I reckon outside of Richmond they're just about the the uh, the best pick, but not not with the current health of their squad. And that showed again today against Melbourne, who I think on today's form, notwithstanding Geelong belting Gold Coast, I, I would be tipping Melbourne. I think over Geelong, which is interesting because I'm just looking um, at their two times they've played this year. So we know that they had that recent loss. Um, down at Cardinia Park by only two points and they should have bloody won that. But they played off at the start of the season. It was only three points between them then as well. So I reckon that one's going to be an absolute cracker of a match. Yeah, well, I think I, so too. I, I think it depends on danger actually. Yeah, really, I, I, you shouldn't say about one guy, but if he plays as dominantly as he did um, on, in the last game game just played, uh, he could be just a difference and swing, swing at Geelong's way. But if they can get him to a pretty ordinary game, then I think that Melbourne might win it. I think the problem that Geelong will have, particularly in terms of danger, is his lack of defensive run because that midfield of Melbourne, you have to be accountable for them. Mm-hmm. And we know yeah. he cannot do that. Now, uh, Viney's going to be back, I think, for the finals. Is that right? I can look that up. I'm pretty sure uh, because I was just thinking that the thing that Melbourne lack in terms of trying to keep uh, Geelong's midfield quiet is is Bernie Vince. Um, 
but if Jack Viney's back, uh, then uh, uh, he provides a, a good challenge. But uh, notwithstanding that, I think Melbourne Melbourne's midfield is uh, is really gelling at the right time of the, of the season, and I reckon they'll have too many weapons for Ge- uh, for Geelong. Yeah, well, if they play, if they play like they did today, they, you'd be right. No doubt yeah. about that. And, and Geelong, I think, are too Hawkins centric. I don't. I still think they lack another forward option. Um, Menzel kind of, you know, floats in and out. Um, they've got Kelly that runs forward now and again and kicks a couple. And obviously, they've got Ablett and Dangerfield that float forward. But I, I just don't think they have enough options up forward. Um, and Melbourne, Melbourne's defence is pretty solid. So uh, I, I'm thinking that. Uh, Melbourne and probably Sydney uh, are the two winners uh, in that in that back half of the draw. What about you guys? <laughs> I really I, I, I oscillate between uh, Melbourne and Geelong, and and I'm really not sure. Um, I, I'm going to go for Geelong because that's what I want to happen. Um, and I'm <laughs> and in the other game I'm going to go um, for GWS because that's what I want to happen again. What do you reckon, Nick? As much as I hate it, I think Melbourne might get them because um, we do want them to finish as low down yeah. as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they'd finish. I just if say they their, lost, their they? website's horrible. Trying to find their injury list. Yeah. Probably made by Telstra. Anyway, look, let's uh, move on and have, have a chat about the Crows game, shall we? Get ugly. Damn, that's ugly. It was ugly for Carlton. <laughs> what? They're not AFL standard, Carlton. Oh, God, no. They're not even close. Not even close. Anyway, look, the score, Adelaide 165, doing it in a canter, really. Some of the scores were... Highest score of the season. Highest score of the season. I think it was equal biggest winning margin. Um, and we did it on the bit. I mean, I think we kicked something like eight goals inside the 10 metres out from goal or something. Uh, 165 to 61 in the end, so winning by 104 points. And it's really hard to actually talk about this game because... It wasn't really a game, was it? Well, it wasn't a contest, was it? No. <laughs> yeah, it was a game, but it wasn't a contest. Mac has got it in one right there. Yeah, yeah look, I, I, the way I look at this, we had a sort of a, a physical training run and we just invited Carlton to join in a little bit. Occasionally and, we let them score. Well, they did provide slightly more resistance than Witches had. But, um, they, in, apart from Patrick Cripps and a couple of others who... You can see you're giving their best. Sometimes you, well, sometimes they haven't got nothing to give. It's not a great list. No. Let's let's whip through some of these head-to-heads because, I mean, it really tells the story. We were plus 62 in disposals. We had 231 kicks, 182 handballs. Carlton, 196 kicks and 155 handballs. Um, So we had our usual kick-to-handball ratio, um, but... Yeah, far more of the ball. 123 marks to 77. Um, uh, and that was just, that was uncontested play because, you know, contested marks were even, marks inside 50 were even. We, we just uh, shared the ball around by foot um, comfortably. And and 
you would expect then this other stat to be the reverse, but it's not. Adelaide, 72 tackles to Carlton, 54. So despite us having most of the ball, uh, we out-tackled them by nearly 20, which is ridiculous. We um, finally won a tackle count. Yay! Yeah. And, you know, I mean... Uh, you would you could have excused Adelaide for dropping off in that stat. Uh, so it was good to see that we maintained the pressure. Seventy two is a good number. Um, look, we had thirty seven to thirty clearances Carlton's way, uh, and that was very much uh, the centre clearances. Patrick Cripps towed us up in the middle, nineteen to twelve. And I got to say, you know, despite us winning, um, if there was a glaring deficiency in our game plan. It's our centre square um, uh, systems and our positioning and, and just the way we go about it. And, and this game really highlighted it, I think. Yeah, well, I can't argue with that because... Uh, and that's oh, take, a <laughs> take a drink. Take a drink, yep. Uh, I'll repeat it you if you'd like to, yeah, too. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Fantastic. I'll just leave you two alone. Chris is unbelievable. He, um, you can have people holding him, hanging him, blocking him, tagging him, but he still gets the ball. And yeah. uh, you got to take your, you got to really take your hat off to a bloke like him who's playing in a team that gets its uh, backside really kicked hard every week, and yet he goes out there every week and performs. Yeah. And uh, on one leg, uh, Mac, one leg. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I thought he was outstanding. It's, it's such a pity, though, that even though they have so many other high draft picks, etc., around him, that he just doesn't have the support. If he had a slightly better midfield around him, Carlton would be a lot more competitive. I'll tell you who's a squib. Mark Murphy's a squib. He's captain of that club. And I don't remember anything that he did of any night in that game. Do you? Terrible I think game. he tried. I think he tried to sledge Sauce at one stage, and Sauce was having a laugh back at him. Yep, I think that, that was it. I, I think that's the only time I saw him. It's like, oh, Murphy's on. He's standing next to Gibbs. Okay. Oh, I, I don't well, know how he escapes the blowtorch in Victoria. That was disgraceful. Uh, a game from Murphy. Yeah, what I can't get over is the fact that saying here that he had twenty four disposals and. They must be counting ones he had in the warm up in the rooms, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he might have had he might have had twenty four disposals, but he went at sixty two percent, and he didn't get a clearance, Macca. Well, no, I don't remember. I don't remember him. All he didn't get Murphy didn't get a clearance, centre or stoppage. So those twenty four disposals were the cheapest twenty four disposals you'll ever see. <laughs> well, I mean. Uh, now, if I say I can't argue with that, there's another uh, drink. Another drink. Get it down. Uh, <laughs> look, inside 50s, Carlton actually won the inside 50 count, 61 to 54, but they were so inefficient, and they pushed up so high that in the end they had no one to kick to half the time, uh, and that showed in our rebound 50s, 49 to 25. We just kept picking it out. It was almost like we conceded inside 50s at time uh, because, you know, there was no danger. They were never going to kick goals because they never had a target. And it wasn't until Bolton well, corrected that and had uh, McKay play a little bit uh, deeper and a little bit more in position that they actually had a couple of targets. Harry McKay's a player of the future, I reckon. Mm. I, I, I like to, uh, the way he plays. He goes for it very hard. Um, and uh, this is his first year, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think he could only get bigger and better. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think he's a guy with a future, one of the few that has. Um, but I was going to ask you, Phoenix, 
what did you think of their coach's tactics to uh, starting with, at times, somewhere between two and four forwards, the rest of the guys in our, in our forward line? Uh-huh. I think the commentary summed up Bolton's um, coaching pretty well. I think uh, the best comment I heard uh, from the commentary was that, you know, the focus has been on that playing group for the last however many years. Um, but the focus is going to have to start to be put on Bolton because I thought his tactics were ridiculous. I really do. What What is the point of playing so defensively? Um, and, and there was no system to what they were doing. They were just basically throwing mud at the wall and seeing what stuck. You know, it, it was horrific. I, I didn't think anything of Bolton's coaching at all. No, I, I, I thought that myself. That he, I thought he embarrassed himself as a coach. I agree. Uh, quite, uh, you know, and um, if, if he wants to uh, retain his job, he, uh, and obviously he's going on again next year, he'd have to do something a lot better than that because he's not. He didn't teach those players one thing by the way he structured the, uh, them around the ground uh, on the weekend. Because what he's virtually saying is. Well, we got to get our, our backsides kicked really badly, so I'm just going to put you all in defence and hopefully you'll just clear, clear the ball. And with, no, with no thought about how, how they were ever going to score themselves. No. Well, the, but the problem was, because I, I didn't see the first quarter because we were driving um, back from Taliban, um, but we're listening to the radio. So Francis Burke, they're commentating, and they just kept going on about, well, they're trying to get them to play a zone in defence, and it's no, just not no. working. They need to go man on man. And then they kind of kept still trying to zone off because they put those extra players in. But to play a good zone, you need to have a good ability to read the play and a good understanding of your teammates and great communication and intelligence. Carlton lack all of those things. Well, not only that, Nick, if you're going to play a deep zone, you've got to be prepared to run. Because when the ball, when you get the ball, as you're inevitably going to do quite a bit, because you're outnumbering the um, outnumbering the opposition, you, you've got to get players ahead of the ball, and they've got too many lazy squibs in that side. Dale Thomas has never played a team game in his life. Mark Murphy, <laughs> we've already talked yep. about. You know they've got no midfielders apart from Patrick Cripps who couldn't run um, that are prepared to run both ways. So they park the bus in defence, they get their turnovers and their rebound 50s, but they get, how many times did they break down across the wing simply because they didn't have blokes running through and creating overlap? Well, uh, that, that's exactly right what did happen. <laughs> you wanted to avoid a drink then, didn't you? I did. I look like getting drunk already out there. <laughs> <laughs> Nicky, do you know what we're no. talking about? Nope. Right, so Joel Constable uh, last week on Twitter made the Macca's drinking game and it was Uh-oh. basically whenever Macca said certain things that he always says, like, you know, you stole my line or yeah, can't argue with that or all the rest of it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, go, that's, that, that's why... <laughs> You've, made, you've made it. You are a podcast star. If you have a drinking game, you are a podcast star. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I've put it on a slide somewhere. If I can find it, I'll stick it up on the on the Facebook uh, thing. But uh... <laughs> Jason McKay said, slow down, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh, God. oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, we're getting distracted. Look, I, yeah, uh, Bolton, Bolton's got lots of work to do. I don't, I don't think um, 
From what from what I saw, I don't think there's any chance of us negotiating with Carlton for their pick one because if they don't pick Walsh with their f- first pick, uh, they got rocks in their heads because Walsh, McGovern, uh, or Lacocious would be handy for them up forward, and and McGovern's obviously a little bit more versatile. They just need more quality in the midfield, in my opinion. I think it's pretty well open that if they do hang on to their pick one that they are going to pick Walsh. Uh, I think that's already been pretty openly stated. Um, not by them, but by mm. the, the people, all the people in the know. So uh, I think that probably will put, uh, push uh, those other guys down a little bit. And there's also talk about the Gold Coast needing, um, the, you know, like the uh, the two well, the, the two twins. Yeah, twins, yeah. Yeah, that the, they would suit their needs as well. So I think that's been a bit that, overblown, to be honest with you. Look, it may well be. It may well be. And and when it comes to this drafting game, there's always a lot of guessing, a lot of rumours, so you're never really quite sure which yeah. is which. But um, it's, it's quite possible. And, uh, the, you know, what, what a lot of the experts say, and it'll be interesting what the AFL say in the sense that... Um, giving priority picks, for example, where are they going, what position are they going to be in? Are they going to be at the end of the round? Are they going to be immediately after the, where they finished on the ladder? I don't think so, because I think you would just have a, a rebellion by uh, the other teams if that happens. But um, but I think the AFL would really like them to trade their picks and get players so that they yep. can become better immediately, not down the track. Well, they might stipulate it, um, actually, Macca, you know. They might actually stipulate that they'll give them a priority pick, but it has to be has to be on traded. Yeah, all they all they have to pick a mature age uh, player because yeah. I think there's one of the guys who's in the the VFL um, that's being talked about that he's the type of player um, that Carlton would fit in so well at Carlton. I also think uh, very interestingly that they need to get rid of Bolton, and I think that's partly why Teague came home. He could see that there's a there's a there's a little there's a space there there's for space, him. Space, yeah, you might Absolutely be right. Absolutely, there is. Yeah, I think that that will that will eventually happen. I think, Nicky. Uh, and it's a question is um, Bolton will start the season off next year, and if we get a repeat of this year, then I would say that he would he would be the, uh, he'd be out during the summertime during the during the season. So uh, and and deservedly so. I don't I don't think he can coach at all. I think he he's uh, he's had the benefit of listening to Clarkson and he tries to say Clarkson-type cliches and clauses, but, you know, he's not talking about the same... You know, he's trying to talk about um, cart and milk cart horses as racehorses. You know, they're not the same thing. To me, he looks like a bloke that's out of his depth. He just doesn't Absolutely. look like he's got full control of what's going on. He looks out of his depth. That That's my impression. And I think it's not been helped by the fact that you had a list manager who just was supremely attracted to anybody that had from GWS mm. um, next to their name. Um, a lot of the players that he's pulled into the club just did not add to the list that they had. No. It gave them more of what they already had and they didn't need it. Um, yeah. I, I, agree. Th- I think it's going to be very interesting now that there's going to be a new list manager. I think they're going to be a lot better to deal with. Mm. So that do you that's think though? Interesting do, space to watch. Do, do you really think that Sosa's going to take take his uh, hands off the wheel on that one? Isn't he going? Sauce. 
I and thought this is his last year. I thought he's out of there. No, he's a new football manager. No, not, football not, yeah, manager, but not 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 list manager. No, I thought he was going as well. No, no, no. Yeah, no. but the football manager was one that he's tried to bag. Well, Sasha publicly. To, yeah, no, Sus isn't going. He's got to report to the new football manager. Yeah, and I think he's going to have his head pulled in a bit, particularly after words he um, said publicly about that new football manager. Look, possibly, but he's not going anywhere. Oh, God, there's staff then. Yeah, no, he'll be there forever, Silvani. He won't go anywhere. Um, And just for those interested, I have put the rules of the drinking game (laughs) on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, what else have we got with head-to-head stats? Um, Yeah, the clearances was an interesting one. I don't know how committed we were inside, but to me it just highlighted the issues that we've had all year and to get belted by basically one bloke. um, You know, can't you sit on a bloke that's got one leak? Honestly, I know that we had poor Rory out, but um, yeah, nevertheless. Uh, But aside from that, you know... the only other stat that really stuck out for me is is Carlton's inefficiency uh, by hand and foot. They went at, they ended up going at sixty seven and a half percent disposal efficiency, but they're in the fifties for a lot of the game, and mm. they just kept continually burnt the ball. Well, yeah, it's very, very hard to retain the ball when you keep kicking to the opposition, isn't it? Mm. And at times they they'd actually put it straight on our chests, and uh, mm. uh, that they that they, they, they didn't do themselves any good at all, and. Uh, uh, well, it's hard to talk about the game because it was they they performed so poorly. Apart from Cripps and perhaps a couple of others, other blokes, and yeah. uh, they probably had fifteen bits of rubbish out there. Yeah, well, they had Cripps, they had that young lad up forward, Paulson, who did a right. I, McKay showed some signs, and I think that was about it. Charlie Kuno was yeah. extremely disappointing. Uh, Deconi did yeah. nothing. Um, you know, uh, Petresky Seaton did nothing. Dale Thompson's just a, a selfish squib. Petresky, Petresky Seaton's uh, probably going to end of the year with a fine. Yeah. yeah, I'd imagine. Anyway, let's look at some individual stats because there were some pretty good numbers. Uh, Rory led 34 touches, 10 marks, 3 tackles, uh, 4 inside 50s, uh, 7 rebound 50s. And kicked a goal, obviously, which he's very happy about. Um, went at 91% disposal efficiency and gained us nearly 600 metres with nine score involvements and six intercepts. Probably uh, probably a pretty standard game for Rory across half-back there. Just wandered around the oval as if he owned it. <laughs> Nobody bothered him too much at all. He had a good it, game. It was, it was a lady game. One stage, I kind of looked at him, going, "Come on, dude, p- pick up your your possession mark. You're a bit low for you." Mm. Yeah, Matty Cratch, twenty nine, twelve and seventeen, a bit better ratio than uh, the last couple of weeks. Five marks, three tackles, uh, five inside fifties, three clearances. Uh, what else have we got here? Eight contested possessions, went at seventy two, uh, eleven score involvements for Matty, and uh, turned it over a little bit six times, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, just a game from Matt. Well, reasonable game because he, he, he was tagged uh, by Kerno and uh, and uh, I, I, you know I think to get twenty nine positions when you're being tagged is still pretty good. Um, but uh, you know, what well, not outstanding, but just a reasonably good good game. Um, for me, I did love seeing him a couple of more of those nice short passes. Um, that he can do, particularly into the forward line. There was some really nice little spotting up and vision 
that we've missed him doing. The only downside is once again, he, he, he kind of does his little head wobble when he does that chasing down an, an opposition midfielder. Like, I'm trying really hard, but I'm not going to catch him. Um, it, it was just that. Um, that that kind of, I think this was the type of game where he should have been better defensively minded because they're not that good overall. And that was still a bit of a downer. That needs to be fixed before next year. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just had to deal with something on the chat there. Uh, Brent, if you're listening, I've had to boot you, mate, because we don't need to be talking about that subject tonight and it's not being a sook, it's being respectful. Um, sorry, where were we? Uh, Wayne Miller, I thought. Played, I just, sorry, go on. Catch me up. Catch me up, Nick. Yeah, I was just catching up. It's just that um, it's his defensive mindedness again. I'm still just that little bit not pleased. Um, I, th- I thought this was a really good opportunity for him to work on that, and it wasn't quite there. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's quite right still, Nick. I reckon there's a few yeah, that, that are just, you know, running on fumes. Yeah, I uh, with that. Oh, God, there's a drink. <laughs> Another drink. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a little animation every time you do it. I'm just going to have to run it on the thing. Um, Miller, I thought, was fantastic. Uh, 13 and 12 for 25, five marks, four tackles, four inside, 50s. Uh, six contested possessions. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, 84%. Eight score involvements. Seven intercept possessions. Uh, probably the, almost the bright point of the season, or certainly one of few bright points of the season, has been Miller's uh, development. Uh, massive growth this year. Um, I was starting to get a little bit worried about him uh, last year. Um, yep. And at the beginning of this year, I think this guy's not going forward at the rate we want. The move to the half-back line has really been the thing that's made him, uh, where he, he's he got brilliant reading skills of the ball coming in, and uh, it, and once he's got it in hand, well, uh, very hard to grab hold of the guy. He's, he's, he's an artful dodger, all right. And, uh, and also, once he does get cleared and uses the ball, he's one of the best users of the ball in the team. And um, so... You know, actually, it was a pretty nice article written by Michelangelo Ritchie about the Crows today. I couldn't believe he wrote it. Somebody else must have pretended to be him or something. <laughs> it was one of the nicest articles I've ever read about the Crows. And um, he was talking about, um, you know, Miller and being the next uh, Andrew McLeod. I think it was him who said it. If not, it was um, uh, Reese, the other reporter. Humphrey. Um, yeah. And... Uh, I really thought that uh, it's quite right. You know, it reminded me of Andrew McLeod with some of his clearances and then the usage of the ball after that and the runs as well. So yeah. uh, he's, he has been one of the real, real positive, uh, positive aspects of the season. Oh, I do remember Murphy being on the ground when Miller put him there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's something that actually Wayne's added to his game and it was it was my biggest criticism of him. It was uh, his lack of physicality, but uh, he's put on a lot of core strength, and uh, uh, he he's running in straight lines, and he doesn't mind the contact at all. Doesn't mind the contact at all. So uh, uh, that was probably the the my biggest worry about Miller, um, and that's been allayed. So uh, 
Good on him, and uh, if the projections are true, or if they come true with regards to McLeod, then uh, look out for another 300-game superstar. Um, look, I thought Andy Otten, uh, we all... Well, not we all, I don't, but a lot of people bag him and say he's past it and all the rest of it. But how, how many blokes can be a, a fourth or fifth call-up defender and be as dependable and reliable as Andy Otten? He's such a smart footballer. He is. He's clever, isn't he? I he really, love watching him play. He played He played an excellent game again. He's had two in a row and. Look, he's got to get another year because even if it's just to be there as a backup player, because every time he does get an opportunity, he doesn't let us down. I don't think any time this year he's been called upon. And let's not forget, we've been without Hardigan, we've been out without Tiles, uh, Keith has been out, we've had Duday out, um, and Otten's just slotted in there. And, you know, forget this this playing and forward rubbish. He, he is a versatile Defender who can play tall and he's very reliable and I'd be shocked if he doesn't get another run around. Uh, he had 21 disposals, took 10 marks. Um, he had six rebound 50s, uh, went at 95% disposal efficiency, four score involvements and nine intercept possessions. Uh, you can't ask for any more. And he was on, he was on, you know, uh, Kerno for a lot of the time. Who's so fast? Yeah, but he's up. so clever in order to get in the way to stop those leads to 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 really use his his smarts. Um, like Ben Brown last week, he had no idea. He's he's so much bigger and stronger than Otten, but Otten knows how to use his strength. He's still got quite a bit of strength, yeah, and he knows how to use it against forwards like that. But Brown's never come up against a defender like him who's that much smarter. Yeah. Um, I, I hope he does get um, another contract. I anticipate he'll spend most of the season in the SANFL, which is hopefully as it should be. But as you said, Phoenix, when he gets a call up, we know he is going to provide us some quality. Yeah. And that's all you can ask. Yeah. And, and we lack a young up-and-coming defender at the moment. So we don't have that lad uh, as an understudy to Talia or, or Hardigan or, or what. I mean, you could call Keith that, but, you know, uh, we need someone to be able to call upon. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, Morley in the, in the speaker chat says SNFL captain, and I think that would be very fitting, actually, um, but certainly needs to be retained. Um, look, Josh Jenkins is another one who has been much maligned, uh, certainly by me, but... Uh, a really solid finish to, I would say, almost Jenkins's best season. I mean, it, certainly not his highest goal-kicking season, but I think in terms of the way that he's actually approached his footy this year, particularly after the first half a dozen games or so, um, has been exemplary. He's, he's addressed all of the... Um, uh, deficiencies that have been uh, identified. Uh, he's copped a little bit of ridicule for being Joe the Goose at times, but he's turned into a strong contested key position forward macker. And Nick, and uh, he topped it off on Saturday night. 19 disposals, 9 marks, uh, 7 goals, 2. Um, how many contested marks did he have? He had uh, 3 contested marks out of those 9. Um, I just felt like he... Uh, imposed himself. He had 14 score involvements. He gained his 400 metres um, and spent 90% time on ground. He's a genuine second ruck option now 
and I think he's turned himself into a genuine contested key position forward. Uh, Dermot Burton um, on Sunday night in the aftermatch stuff, uh, he actually said that JJ is the best in the AFL in that second ruck forward position. And And I think he's spot on. Well, he thinks he is too. He's, he thinks he knows everything, but he's right. Um, I think that Jenkins, uh, well, he's really come of age. Uh, I think when Phoenix was criticising him early, he was quite justified in, with his criticism because of the fact that um, he was not using his body. He wasn't really putting in that little extra effort that makes the difference between winning and losing. And and, and he was just hanging around waiting to get the uh, seagull goal at the back. Um, but I thought his game on the week uh, on the weekend, and he's just got you know every. This has been a lot of weeks in a row now, probably like a dozen, fourteen weeks in a row. He's been uh, playing like this. Uh, he's turned his game on its ear, and I, I had him very high in our best players on the weekend because of that. That he he his contest for the ball is excellent. You know, he, he can't ask for any more out of the guy. Well, he's no longer afraid of contact, and I don't mean afraid as in scared, but I, I mean he's no longer shying away from contact. Uh, he's uh, initiating he contact. Know. Well, I think it was just a transition from one mindset to another, Nikki, you know. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody had actually taken the time to teach him. Possibly, possibly. What to do. Um, I mean, he's, I'm, because he's, cha- he's changed so quickly. It's not an easy thing, though, to change from a game style no, to a different... I mean, it's, it's like saying Rory Atkins is going to turn into a tough inside mid. I mean, that that is the, the, the level of transition that we've seen or the transformation that we've seen from Jenkins this year is equivalent to Rory Atkins going from an outside player to a tough inside mid because Jenkins has changed his game completely. Completely, he's leading hard at the ball. He's taking blokes on. He's pushing blokes away with Donagis and whatnot. Um, I've I've loved his season. I've loved his season, and I was probably his strongest critic. So uh, there you go. Maybe I'm not a good judge. <laughs> no, no I've, right, on, right on all counts, including the criticism. Yeah, I, I think quite rightly he will be very up there. Um, in uh, Best and Ferris, um, and I think he might actually go close in the team man. Yeah, def- well, he des- he thoroughly deserves the team man award. Thoroughly deserves think, it because uh, I think he does. Because when you consider everyone's been falling down around him, uh, JJ has had a, a consistent year. He hasn't missed. Has he missed from injury? Maybe once or twice on early. I can't remember. Yeah, I think he. I think he might have had like maybe one game. Yeah. Also, but yeah. he's been very consistently on the park. Yeah, and, and one of I mean one of the things I had against him um, early on was when he got an injury, he didn't cut well. He didn't know how to push through it. Yeah, and we've seen him this year where his thumbs come out. He's had his fingers come out. He goes, he gets it fixed up, and he comes back on, and he puts that hand back in danger again. Yeah, previous years he didn't do that. I don't think he trusted um, that he could keep doing it. Mm. And now he has. Yeah, and as PJ said, he uh, it was on the media a lot at that stage and uh, putting himself out there. And he's actually uh, pulled his head in on that respect. He probably, uh, as PJ says, cost himself some money as well. Uh, I think he's still writing for ESPN, but he's not doing the News Corp stuff anymore. No, he's got his own little blog now um, that he does stuff on there occasionally. 
Yeah. But he's obviously planning to be in the media when he retires. Yeah. Um, He'll be very good. He'll be well, an he NFL on, commentator, was, I reckon. <laughs> he was on Channel 7, uh, I think it was, uh, this morning. And, uh, yeah, he's as, well, he's as good as the other guys there, mate. They can pay a lot more than him. Well, let's face it, there's not a lot of competition. Anyway, look, JJ's been fantastic, I think. Uh, you know, playing in a forward line where every man and his dog has fallen down. You know, we've had Lynch out, we've had Walker hobbled, we've had McGovern in and out, uh, and JJ's played a load hand, and I think he's done excellently. Um, another bloke who I think has uh, certainly grown as the season's gone on and uh, last night showed us, I think, what he can do when he actually gets some midfield time next season, Jordan Gallucci, Um 17 disposals, 6 marks, 4 goals, uh, 4 tackles, uh, 7 inside 50s. Uh, let's see here, uh, 2 centre clearances, 10 score involvements. Just coming along nicely. Well, we said last week we, we thought that was his, uh, what's it, would you use? Breakout. Breakout game. And I'll tell you what, we were right, and because of the fact that his game was terrific, I thought. Yeah. Really terrific. He, he's got so many assets that he, that he can uh, uh, give to the team in the sense that, you know, he will compete for a hard ball. He yeah. can take a hard knock. He's got tons of pace, he, and he's very intelligent with his usage of the ball. And, uh, he, you know, he's only... I don't know how many games he's played now, but it's only uh, certainly less than 20 games he would have played. Yep. And uh, he's got a great future ahead of him. Should should get the final Rising Star nomination for the year, um, but I I'm just sitting here with a nice little smile on my face just after that performance. That just to see him go in the midfield because I've been calling on that for a couple of weeks. There's the speed that we're missing from our midfield, and we know he's such a good thinking footballer. He makes the right decisions. He's a genuine inside out midfielder. And the thing that I like about him is that he can start in congestion and accelerate away from congestion. He can uh, break tackles and accelerate away. He's got extremely good lower body strength, in my opinion, uh, and he's very composed and he's he's good distributor into our forward 50. So really good signs from Jordan. Uh, him along with Miller and... Uh, Jenkins would have to be, in my opinion, the three standout um, bright bright lights of the season, if you like. Um, the yeah. only other mention that I'd give is uh, probably uh, Elliot Himmelberg, only because it was his first game. Um, only had the 13 touches, took five marks, uh, kicked a really nice goal, which I thought was pretty cheeky after missing his previous shot, which he should have got. Um, and he's such a nice kick. That's what pissed me off about this. I reckon he just about bloody fell over. Beautiful kick. He did. I came off the side of the boot. And I'm like, you don't kick like that normally. Um, but that, that second one, that, that's a much better one to get. And yeah. it showed all the tricks that he can do and why he is going to be a hell of a nightmare for opposition yeah. teams. Because you, if you put him and JJ in a forward line, and I said this in the chat just a bit before, which team has two defenders that can match up on those two? Yeah, and then stick a, well, stick a Tex or a Fogarty or something like that in there as well as a bit of a change-up. Yeah. He's got a lot to learn. Um, you know, you can, t- you can see he's green, but, gee, as you said, he's got a lot to work with. Um, he's, he's tall. 
uh, and he moves. He, you know, he's quite quick. And, yes, uh, he's very quick. Yeah, and I'm surprised how quick he was. And he's very mobile as well. I mean, that, that goal that he got showed that uh, a lot of dexterity and a lot of uh, balance and skill that uh, guys he size, a lot of them don't have. And, uh, uh, I and also... The, just no. Maka, that that breaking of the the confidence to know to break the tackle. Yep. Uh, well, you know, I think you know he missed his first goal. I think just through sheer nerves. I think. Um, but when you had the uh, the snap goal, you don't have time to have nerves. You just you just yeah, just go ahead and, and do it. You go ahead and do it, and he kicked the beauty, and it was a, lo- it was a lovely goal. Um, yeah. Uh, I, Phil, talking about his hair, is that his natural colour? Yes. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, look at his eyebrows. Like, my mum just kept yelling through. Yeah, every time the commentators would bring it up, she'd just yell, look at his eyebrows. They're the same colour. He looks a bit like Jack Rewalt with hair, doesn't he? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I did love the um, hair seems to run in the Himmelberg family. Yeah. It's one of the comments. Yeah, that's fair comment. Look, the thing that I noticed, I think, the most... Uh, which was actually a negative but a positive in the same way, is that he often when the ball came in high, uh, JJ and Himmelberg were in the same spot. And all that tells me is that Himmelberg was actually running to good spots. <laughs> he just, <laughs> just wasn't, wasn't being cohesive with uh, Jenkins. But, I mean, that's just a matter of working with the with the, the line coaches a little bit more and understanding running patterns. But I, I did feel that he put himself in good positions quite often. Um, and Dixon... I, Dixon was praising him for a lot of his running patterns. Yeah, so a good good signs from Elliot, and you know maybe a bit of a, a, a few cameos next season. Uh, he might uh, rise up the ranks towards the back end of next season. He's still got a bit to go, but by goodness me, he's got some tricks and he's got some attributes that uh, look really good for the future. Interesting point. You know, no Walker. Um, how, I don't know if anybody should bother to have a look. When Walker hasn't played, it seems to me like we always win. Um, I don't know whether anybody's ever bothered to look that up. Well, maybe this, this, uh, maybe this, this year. year. I'm talking about this year. Yeah, and, and it's because he's been hampered by injury. They should have got him right properly. Yeah, uh, no, uh, no argument about that. I'm not blaming Walker, but the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, he, he hasn't had any impact this year, and... Uh, when he hasn't played, it seems like our forward line's a lot more open. Well, I think it forces us to play a little bit differently, um, Macca. I think when Walker's there, he kind of demands it a bit. Um, so, But he hasn't really been in form or hasn't had the, the ability to, to honour that, if you know what I mean. So the ball's going to him a bit and it's just bouncing straight back out again. So uh, you're right. I, I mean, our forward line's been a dog's breakfast. If you compare our, our I mean, our our average score uh, is down to about the early to mid 80s this season, and we're yeah. up up you know around the hundred last season. Our forward line has been a disaster this year, uh, and some of it has been through our lack of midfield efficiency, and some of it has just been through injuries and poor form in, in our personnel up forward. Um, and hopefully, hopefully that can be rectified over the off season because it was our strength and it turned into a weakness. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I was, going to, I was going to say very quickly is, um, with how, in the future, how do we we fit in somebody like Fogarty and uh, uh, along with Himmelberg with the blokes we've already got? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they play it, and obviously there's a lot of scuttlebutt around McGovern at the moment, and. Uh, 
it looks reasonably likely, despite Nicky's protest, that uh, Mitch is out the door. Um, I didn't raise that yet. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. He, um, he, he was. You wanted him to be happy, etc. He was very happy at the end of the game. The first one to congratulate Elliot. Yeah, yeah, no. That's a, so was, he did. Did he look? Did he look like a player? He didn't want to be around he, that club. He, no, he looked like a bloke. He was. He might be congratulating him for taking his place. <laughs> no, I doubt it. N- Nicky, I saw him interviewed and he was asked the question. And uh, while he said certain things, um, it didn't look very genuine and he didn't really sound all that keen about being here. I, I think I, I got the I got the reverse impression. I got the impression he's leaving. I, I think oh, what. What the biggest indicator for me was Don Pike's presser a couple of days ago, and yes. whilst I don't think he's out the door just yet, I think that there's some work to do, and I think that the club might just go, you know what, we'll cut our losses on this one, um, because he does offer his trade he's value. On, he's also on decent money. He's on what six hundred, I reckon. Um, and so, which is a fair chunk of our our cap. He gives us good um, uh, leverage at draft, and he plays in a position that we have quite a bit of. Now, notwithstanding, Mitch is going to be a gun. Um, You know, what may let him down is his body, uh, and at the moment he's lacked a certain amount of consistency. But in terms of X factor and uh, the ability to turn a game on its head, Mitch McGovern's got that in spades. Now... You know, you come, any out of the year, I think you try to hang on to him. But if you have a look at what's on offer um, and the area of the ground that he plays predominantly, notwithstanding the, the fact that he played a bit back on the weekend, um, it's the one year where we could probably afford to lose him, in my opinion. Well, that was, that was the question I was going to ask. And um, would you. Did I steal your line, Macca? You stole my line. <laughs> a drinker. <laughs> <laughs> Drink it. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, because I'm I'm the same as you. I think that uh, if he because of the amount of forward op- opportunities that we do have amongst our players, um, but he is a, a very exciting player with a lot of X about him, about him. But perhaps not necessary consistency. He is a player that I, that I would trade, but only if that led to getting. A draft pick in the one, two, three situation. Yeah, spot, spot on, Macca. Um, that's the unless you can almost like guarantee that you're going to be getting Lukosius, then I don't think we will do it. Um, but we do know that Ogilvy has very good little feelers out to figure out what everybody else is going to do. Oh, um, I, I think it's pretty he's, obvious. He's, he's yeah. I it, think it's it is, pretty obvious. It's, it's McGovern and next year's first rounder for pick one. It, it's there. It is right there. Yeah. Do it. I reckon you'd have you'd have Carlton, maybe not Gold Coast, but you'd have Carlton, St Kilda, and probably Fremantle would bang your door down for that deal. Yeah. Well, uh, this this draft, of course, you're allowed to use uh, two years first round draft. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I would think that with. Anything and everything's on the table with Adelaide, and 
they may be trying to stretch and try and get both lads. And I think this is why we're seeing the club, like generally in the past when we've had a higher profile or, or a, a contractor player wanting to leave or the whispers are going around, we've been very quick to um, to pour cold water on it. And earlier in the season when the when Crowcast actually broke the rumours about um, McGovern, which was uh, followed up by Sam McClure, um, blokes like Mark Rusciuto and that were very quick to come out and, and, and hosh-posh it. Whereas now, uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, the responses from the club have been lukewarm at best. And I, I, I certainly hope this to be the case. And again, it's nothing against Mitchell. I think he's going to be an excellent player. But I honestly think that the club has made a strategic decision to go 1,000% at this draft. And why shouldn't 100%. they? We've we've got we've already got a couple of draft picks in the top uh, in the first round. Uh, we've got the opportunity to trade out for another. Um, we can get three out of the four top quality South Australian boys. You know, notwithstanding other people's picks and all the rest of it. Um, but we've, we're nev- we're not going to have another chance like this. And I think, uh, despite Mitch being an excellent player and a real X factor and all the rest of it. I think he's the one that you let go um, if he if he's open to going. Well, you and, and that's good list management. Well, it is, you know, absolutely, it's at, good list management. Absolutely, and that's what you have to do. And people still kind of get stuck on that romanticism, and um, some of them are having a go. I've seen comments about Mitch. Oh, he just wants more money, etc. Things like this. Go, but clubs move players on all the time for money issues and other things like that. It's that's the what the nature of it now. Um, and Mitch is very much a very different kettle of fish than a seventeen-year-old who's aim just coming into a draft and wants to be drafted because he wants to play football. That's his only career. Yeah. Mitch had a career. He actually had job a job that yeah. he's working. He came in as a mature age player. He's a vastly different beast. He understands the nature of. Um, this business we're in and as much as we love it for a sport it's a business yeah anyway we're creeping in a Tuesday Night Lives territory here so let's move into our awards and then the cockwumble so but first I think we have a Jet of the Week award to nominate I reckon that song applies itself to Rory Laird more than anyone else because uh, you get what you need from Rory pretty much every week. I like JJ's game, though. Well, there were certainly quite a few contenders for it. Uh, I thought that Laird was outstanding. Jenkins, fantastic. Um, Millera. uh, Millera, Atkins, Gibbs, um, and then to a slightly lesser degree, Gallucci, but... um, uh, if, if it's Laird, I'm happy with that. No, so I'm happy to go with consensus. What, what did you think, Nicky? I really did like Laird's game um, as well, but I I just really liked how um, JJ was presenting the different ways he was managing to get involved in the game. Um, and I, I think he was... A real big difference. I mean, Lanny had to stop it, etc. And they they were being stupid with trying to man him up. And I think at one stage they did try to tag him, and that yeah. doesn't really work that well. Um, so it, 
yeah, for me, it's a real flip of the coin between the pair of them, but you two have gone land, so we'll give it to Lady with a very honourable mention to JJ. Yeah, okay. I think that's reasonable. It has to be Gooch or Miller. I don't know. How do you split those two? Probably Miller on output, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I'm giving it a, um, Mine is the Gooch. Uh, yeah, I'm going with Gooch. I love it. You know, it, he really did do it tough at times and he took some blows as well, but he, but once he's got a whack, he's a, he is a jet. He just takes off. Yeah. So does Miller. So, um, very, uh, ha- yeah, uh, very happy to pay to the Gooch. Two words, Richard Douglas. <laughs> I was going to say, Richard Douglas has stamped his mostly play as NFL next year card. Yeah, I think it's Douglas. I think there was a few disappointing games in amongst all that. I thought Hugh Greenwood uh, had a pretty disappointing game. Um, it was on ground for 73% of the time and only picked up the, the, the four kicks and nine handles. I thought Hugh was disappointing. I thought Riley Knight was disappointing. I felt like these these are the lads that had a bit of an opportunity to uh, get a bit of ball. Um, he did tackle very well. He tackled very well, though. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, he's got to get more. That's yeah. Riley's just got to get. Uh, we've talked about this before. He's just got to get a bit more of the ball. Real, a couple of really great marks. Um, he takes a really good contested mark for his size, mm. but he's just got to get that little bit more involved. But I, I think very much it was. Um, it was Dougie and Vardy Magic's pointing out Greenwood's out of gas. He's yeah. actually played pretty much every game this year, which which is a positive. And he did have a interrupted preseason, so he's really got to work hard um, yeah. and get a clean preseason. And I think that will be of great benefit to us next year. Yeah, ten tackles from Huey shows that he was involved, but uh, output low. And you're right. Um, he needs to get a good preseason under his belt and get a little bit more air in the tank. Um, Richard Douglas um, was the main reason why we got towed up in centre clearances. Um, and seriously, um, he wasn't good. No, he just he wasn't good. You know how many meters gained Richard Douglas got us? Sixty six, sixty six <laughs> meters gained. Uh, now, yeah. I know he played a bit up forward, but he also spent a bit of time in the midfield, like around the centre clearances and all the rest of it. And eight kicks, nine handballs for 17. Um, you know, uh, it's just, just they're just not the numbers that you need from one of your best or one of your most experienced players. You know, our two most experienced players, apart from Eddie... Well, if you throw in Eddie Betts, our three most experienced players um, got... Nine and nine, eight and nine, and seven and five. Although at least Betts kicked three goals, so I, I, I really the hope back to his little har- har- harassing best. I, I thought defensively I thought Eddie played well. Um, yeah, I thought he played his role well actually. Yeah, I, no, I, I think well, I think we let Eddie off the hook a bit sometimes because he does a spectacular, but uh, he needs to do more of the percentage stuff 
for mine, Eddie. Um, but look, uh, for me, it's Richie Douglas. Um, I just, just, a, I don't know what we're going to do with him because he's not injured, is he? Like he hasn't been injured. He's been. He, I don't think he's had a soft tissue all year, has he, Douglas? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but uh, if he hasn't, he'd be the only one. So full full <laughs> pre full preseason, um, one of the constants in the midfield along with Gibbs, um, and just produces bad numbers week in week out. So uh, I hope that the coaching staff actually put him under the blowtorch during the off season because uh, he should be spending more time in the twos next year, I believe. Yeah, I think, I think he will be. <laughs> Go for it, Nick. Um, well, I know they're not in the <laughs> AFL, but Sol- but Salisbury. Oh. Not pull- not pulling that player off. What I mean? don't care if he's your captain or whatever. He he needed to come off the ground. Um, yeah. <sighs> so th- that anyway, one, that one's probably good. Uh, yeah, um, and quite rightly. Um, the the other thing I, I thought was kind of funny uh, was so they did an after match press conference. So if you have um, Fox Sports and they do the the Saturday night thing, and so Dixon, Jonathan Brown were interviewing Jake Kelly. Now we know Jake is a very sarcastic young man with a very quick dry wit. My God. Brownie just looks so stupid sitting next to them trying yeah. to keep up and figure out what the hell was going on and trying to be funny, and it just failed spectacularly. Yeah, Brownie's not as sharp as tall and lovely bloke, but you've got to bowl fairly straight to, to Brownie, otherwise he's cooked. And I, I did love um, Jake's comment because they were celebrating his, um, uh, his, his, first, his final first goal. Um, that JJ nearly stuffed up for him. Um, and he said, oh, yeah, I got that one. And I stuffed another one up. So, oh, yeah, that could have been um, two goals. So four quarters. Yeah, I would have got ten. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Kelly gets a reverse cock wobble for that. But um, I, I do think it's just pretty much got to go to Salisbury unless you guys have some other. Or oh, oh, Port Adelaide, as Lonely Rangers pointed out, Port Adelaide are going on September holidays. Yes, they are. Um, no, I think I, I, I really do think the Salisbury West team deserves it. Yeah, um, that is a club that uh, the two Salisbury teams, Salisbury North, Salisbury West, have both had reputations for about the last thirty, forty years of um, of playing football in this manner. And uh, you know, my kids have uh, played against both those two teams, and uh, in, I can assure you, they both got my both my boys got uh, belted just for getting the football against those teams. Uh, and this is not new to them. It's, it's uh, they repeat offenders, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, they're a disgrace to football, and they shouldn't be in any any competition. Yeah, I think the the best thing to come out of that is uh, how well John Kernahan is handling uh, the stewardship of the Adelaide Footy League, formerly the Amateur League, um, because this is this has been lucky. Rightly point out, Macca, uh, this has been a long time coming. Um, you know, I've played against those teams and, and some of the other teams that have uh, 
come under fire over the last couple of years under under Kernahan's stewardship, and it's about bloody time um, because people are dropping off. Uh, kids are dropping off at junior level because the thuggish behaviour that is happening at senior level is starting to filter down into the juniors. Um, and there's a lot of options for kids these days, and it's not not uh, a fait accompli anymore that it's footy in summer and cricket in winter for our kids. Um, and uh, uh, I think it's beholden on all footy leagues, and, and uh, kudos to John Kernahan for taking up the baton on this one and, and cleaning up uh, that league um, because there's just no place. There shouldn't be any place for it. And this is why, in my opinion, the AFL need to have a no punching policy at AFL level. There's just no place for it. Yep. Doesn't matter whether it's a jumper, jumper punch, rib punch, back punch. I don't care what Eddie Bet says. It's not part of the game anymore, and it needs to be black and white. You do not strike anywhere, anyone with a closed fist. End of story, because it is taking hold at at underage groups now. Um, you know, and and it's got to it's got to be removed from the game, or else we're not going to have a sport in another fifty years. Hundred percent agree with you. And there's two chip drinks. Mrs. Macker picked up a glass of water. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Oh. Mrs. Macker would what be. Up, Mrs. She'd be on the floor now, wouldn't she? She'd be like a big puddle of bloody red wine just lying I'm, I'm, there. I'm, I'm guessing she's got to wet the bed tonight. <laughs> she's got that many, had that many drinks. I don't <laughs> think you should be saying that about your wife, Macker. Yes, you don't Dad say Macca. that. We, we love Mrs. Macca. Oh, Mrs. Well, Macca's get... actually replacing you on the podcast next year. We've been in negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, for sort of... me... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to pull, pull it back into the, the thing um, because in the sort um, SA, uh, the Women's League, so we've had North Pines, who was one of the other oh, teams that are God. out there, yeah. and... We we actually we do know that they were they've had to have forfeit games because there were um, umpires being hit etc. and so they had to employ um, a security guard to be there during games. The only problem was they stopped that at six o'clock. So they had all the men's and the junior games playing up until six o'clock, and then we had to come in and play a night game, and the security guard had left. Yeah. Uh, we're like, okay, we're coming in as late as possible, playing a game and getting out of there. Yeah. Um, a lot of those players have moved to another club and there's a persecution complex which makes them difficult to play oh, against. Yeah, Let, let's not get into the social commentary on it, notwithstanding the fact that uh, there's a number of clubs that are dodgy and they're starting to get dealt with and that's probably a good thing for everyone. Which is great. Absolutely. Did we settle on a numnut in the end, Salisbury West? Yeah. Yep, have you Beautiful. All right, well, look, that winds us up for tonight and for the season for The Wrap. Uh, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Spreaker over the course of the year and uh, towards the end there on Facebook as well. Um, uh, Tuesday Night Live will continue throughout the final series and also the trade period, so you will get your Crowcast fix every week. Um, and uh, in the meantime, it's a big thank you from Nikki Macker and myself for all your support on Sunday nights. It's been a pleasure bringing it to It's been great uh, doing this with you guys, uh, Nikki and Macca. <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. great. It's been yeah. great. I'm just laughing at some of the comments going on there. Oh, yeah, they're, they're that's, that's quite rabble. funny. 
They just yeah, want to get it 600. But we love them. They just want to get it 600 right. comments. They and they're not going to make it. They're going to have to hurry up because right. we're... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll help them out here. I will say that whilst this has been a season, we have kind of wanted to forget. I think these Sunday nights have, have made it slightly worthwhile. Um, and we thank everybody who has listened to us and, and actually willingly listened to us. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't believe we do this and people... Like it. Five ninety, five ninety. There we are, six hundred, and it's time to go. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget, you can, you, can, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook at AI for Crowcast. Give us a review on iTunes. That'll be awesome. And we'll see you on Tuesday night for Tuesday night live. Good night, everyone. Yep. Good night, all. <laughs>